0: You're listening to a sermon from Plus Life, a church that exists to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will be stirred in your heart and renewed in your mind as you hear the preaching of God's word today. I'm going to tell someone the title of my sermon this morning. Get into the habit of resting. Resting. I'm just... Uh... Couple of announcements here. Well, only one really. Next week, we are going back into our Gospel of John series. If you remember that we we've been going through the Gospel of John for quite some time now, and we took a little break after the summer last year, but now we're going to get back into it. We're in chapter seven, so if you want to get caught up, if you want to review what we've been studying so far in the Gospel series, the Gospel of John series, you can read. You have seven days to catch up, read a chapter a day. It'll be at chapter seven by next weekend. So we're getting back into that next week. Now. We are to the finale of our Get Into the habit series. And again, we've been going through this series as a sort of challenge for our church. Remember, we, we, we are doing a 66-day challenge within our community here to challenge ourselves to get into the habit of these spiritual disciplines. Whether it is prayer, which we've talked about, or studying Scripture, or being present in the lives of other believers, that is the challenge for us. And hopefully, by Easter twenty twenty three, we'll have cultivated these good disciplines, these good practices in our lives, uh, and and bear fruit from that. Now, I, I know, uh, I know what it's like to be out of the Word or to to not have a good prayer life, right? Or or and and you you. Absolutely, feel drained and discouraged. You become more susceptible to temptation and, and negative thoughts. And and uh, you know, again, no one's perfect here. And so, even in the sixty six day challenge, we get it if you if you stumble a little, if you miss a couple of days, but get back on track. Right again, it takes sixty six days to get into a habit. So continue to challenge yourself. Keep up with this 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 task as a community as a church so that again we can cultivate these good spiritual habits in our lives now this morning we'll be talking about the spiritual discipline of rest of rest some of you might be thinking yes finally a topic that i can say amen to and maybe some of you are thinking well rest how is that a spiritual discipline well, for one thing, we know that it's a spiritual discipline because we see in creation, the process of creation, that God himself rested after creating the universe in six days. And as a result, that was supposed to, be, to serve as an example for us. That when the law was given, the Ten Commandments was given to the people of Israel, it says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, just as God rested on the, on the seventh day, and so, and, and we know that the Jews themselves practiced rest, the Sabbath, as a spiritual dis- discipline. They had all these laws that you can read about of the things that you could and could not do. It's interesting. The one of the rules in, in, the, in the sort of in the sabbatical laws of the Jews is that you could not rock in a chair during the Sabbath. Because the fear would be that if you're rocking in a chair, you would cause a groove to form on the dirt. And then if a seed were to fall into that groove, you'd be planting and therefore that would be considered work. Very interesting stuff if you want to look into that. And so yeah, to the Jews, rest was definitely a spiritual Discipline, And of course, in our passage, we even see that Jesus invites us to a sort of rest, a, to a spiritual rest that he will be unpacking this morning. And we even see throughout the ministry of Christ and throughout the Gospels, whenever he does some great miracle, whenever he does some great ministry endeavor, we see that he often goes off by himself, climbs a mountain to pray with the Lord and rest. So definitely rest is a spiritual This discipline now. Our problem, and or or maybe the reason why I think we we fail to think that rest is a spiritual discipline, is that we often view rest in terms of a physical lens. We often think of of rest resting in a physical sense. When when there's no work in my hands or when when I'm not thinking about work on my mind, then I'm resting. When I'm sitting in front of the TV or I'm playing some sort of video game, then I'm resting. When we go on vacation, right, then I'm resting. When we're free of problems, when we don't have responsibilities, when we don't have worries, that's when I can rest. And so we have this mindset that in order to achieve some sort of rest, it needs to be physical. But biblical rest goes far deeper than that. It goes far deeper than the external, as we'll see from our passage. True rest starts internally spiritually. And just as we can't go without uh, prayer or scripture reading or being present in our church community, we also cannot go without rest. I mean, just think about it, just thinking about physical rest. Let's talk about sleep for a moment. You know, if you go one day without sleep, you start to get irritable, right? I mean, some of us are already irritable, and we don't, it's, you know, we slept last night fine, but that's just one day of, of a lack of sleep. Two days without uh, sleep, we, become, we, get, we start to get cognitive problems. We start to, to, to get extreme fatigue. Three days of sleep, we start hallucinating. You start seeing things and start believing things that aren't actually true or not actually there. That's just physical rest. How much more spiritual rest? Without spiritual rest, let me tell you, and maybe some of you have experienced this before, we get to a place called burnout, where we become discouraged, become disillusioned. We start getting wrong perspectives, believing, believing things that we should not believe, lies. We are more prone to temptation and sin. We forget our identity in Christ. The problem, our problem oftentimes is that we try to achieve spiritual rest, that, that, that rest that we need spiritually through, through physical means. We try to medicate ourselves through physical means, and as a result, we don't end up satisfying that spiritual need. It's like like being extremely thirsty but drinking seawater. You just become even more thirsty. And so, our hope for us this morning is to really discover for ourselves what true biblical rest looks like, how we can find rest in our own lives. What, and to really to clarify what it's not, because we do have some misconceptions about what rest is. And of course, as we've been going through this series, pick up some practical tools to help us get into the habit of finding rest. And, you know, let me make this clear, right? This, this sermon really is not coming from someone who, who knows how to rest, okay? You know, I'm a father of two. There's a third one on the way. And like, I've got a mortgage to pay, all this stuff. <laughs> I don't know what rest is. What is rest? You know, is that a Greek word? I don't know, right? Like, and I think part of the frustration I was feeling as I was prepping for the sermon is, you know, how can I write a sermon or how can I pen a sermon that that really I I don't know how to practice in my own life? You know, my version of rest is, is, you know, when the kids are put to bed, you know, a bowl of popcorn and Coke Zero, right, and watch something on, on the screen and but even after that, and maybe you're like me and you had these experiences where even after you've had those moments of downtime, of leisure time, where there's no responsibilities, you still feel tired in the end. You still feel exhausted in the end. And you want to rest some more. Again, it's like being thirsty by just drinking seawater. This makes you more thirsty. So if you're wanting rest, if you've been feeling burnout. Feeling no matter how many vacations you take, no matter how many downtime, how much downtime you know, in front of Netflix you, you watch, and you're still not finding rest. If that's you, the invitation for us from the Lord as we read this morning is to rest in Him. To find rest in Him. To learn from our Savior as our passage truly says. To, to, to understand and to experience the rest that we can only find in Him. And so what we'll do this morning is, of course, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss what is and what is not rest, and then we'll look at these practical tools of how to practice rest. First and foremost, we'll just get straight into it. First and foremost, rest is not a physical condition, but a spiritual disposition. Rest is not a physical condition, but a spiritual disposition. Everyone say context for me. Our passage takes place during a time in Jesus' ministry where John the Baptist sends some of his disciples to question Jesus. To question Jesus whether or not he is truly indeed the, the Messiah. And Jesus says some great things about uh, John in, in this passage. You can read earlier in, in, in that chapter what Jesus says. And, but what Jesus gets to, what, what Jesus has to deal with in this passage really is the unbelief of the people. The unbelief of the people who didn't believe John and that John was sent by God. And at the same time, the unbelief of the people who didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah indeed. And we see even starting in verse 20 to 24, Jesus outright condemning cities for their lack of faith. Jesus performed these great miracles in these cities and yet they still did not believe. Jesus performed signs and wonders, these miracles, but yet the people still had no Faith. Now, that's the backdrop. the backdrop of our passage is a people's unbelief towards Christ. Now, in verse 25 of our passage, it goes on to say, At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise, understanding and understanding and revealed them to little children. The wise and those who with understanding here is not just the Pharisees that Jesus is referring to or the scribes or those who are religious leads, but anyone claiming to have any spiritual, uh, any spiritual superiority, whether it's by position or education or by race. Again, remember, in just in the previous passage, right before our passage here, Jesus is condemning an ent- cities, entire cities, not just the religious leaders, but even the common folk who, who lacked faith. And so then he goes on to say that these things have been revealed to little children. Well, it doesn't mean that it's just the common folk. Again, Jesus just condemned them as well. Who is he talking about here? Verse 26 of our passage, he goes on to say, Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So who are these little children that Jesus is talking to? Well, it's anyone that the Father has willed for these truths, for them to have faith. It's anyone that Jesus has drawn to the Father, or the Father has drawn to himself. A parallel to this passage is John chapter 6, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So, so he's talking about the, the people who, whom God has opened their mind to, God has given them the gift of faith so that they can believe that Jesus is indeed the Messiah. So now having that context in mind, the, the people's unbelief and the sovereignty of God to, to open the hearts of people to have faith, we get the sense that what Jesus is about to talk about is really about salvation. That, that this gift of faith is from the will of God and, and that getting to know Christ and that having that relationship with God is only from the will of the Father himself. And again, this, this frames the invitation to rest. Look at verse 28 with me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is actually a callback to Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes, when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Not poor, physically speaking, but rather spiritually bankrupt. Those who are lost in sin. Those who labor and are heavy laden, burdened with the demands of a faithless religion. Remember, he's calling out all the the faithlessness of his own people. We know that this was Jesus' intent because he goes on to say in verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, a yoke in ancient times, in, in ancient Jewish society, was if you ever wanted to become a disciple, you would take on the yoke of a rabbi. The the yoke meaning the the conduct, the mannerisms, the theology, the teachings, the the, the way that 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 rabbi behaved, that was called a yoke. These yokes were often heavy and had a lot of demands, rules, and traditions. Rabbis made it very difficult for someone to be their disciple. It included, of course, sabbatical laws, purity laws, temple laws, uh, uh, dietary laws. You could not eat this. You can't eat this. You can't do this on the Sabbath. You can't do this. So Jesus' invitation is very clear. If you want rest, take my yoke, his yoke, his teachings, his principles, his conduct, his faith. Not as a, not as, it's not as burdensome as the Pharisees or the scribes or the rabbis. Why? Because it's not based on a a, a works-based faith. It's not based on works of the law. The kind of rest that Jesus was inviting and offering to his disciples was a rest from the physical demands of the laws that the Pharisees had placed on people. The traditions that they enforce. It was a rest from, again, a works-based religion, a dead religiosity that doesn't save. Remember these Jews... Again, had these Sabbath laws, and especially talking about rest, that if you were to cross it, if you were to, if you were to fail at any one of those, you would, consider, you would be considered an outcast. You couldn't, again, you couldn't, you couldn't be a disciple of these rabbis. And so here is Jesus offering a faith, offering a yoke, a lifestyle, a teaching that actually gives rest. Now, all of that to say, what, what we get from this passage is that rest is not a physical condition. It's not about having everything in place, having all the right requirements, doing, keeping up all these laws and traditions, but it's a spiritual disposition. You can have everything in order. You can have the kids in bed, you can have all the work done, the, the computer is off, but you can, still be, you, can, you can still find yourself restless. Spiritual rest starts internally. It starts, it starts with a relationship with Christ, as we just read. There's, there's really nowhere else to rest. Put it this way, right? Listen, the reason why we often find ourselves so tired and so weary is because we're seeking rest everywhere else than Christ. Whether it's on social media, whether it's in people, whether it's in money, whether it's in position, our, our jobs, whether it's in material possessions, whether it's in fantasies, whether it's in ourselves. The reason why we often find ourselves so tired and so weary is because we're going to the wrong places to find rest. When we seek rest in things other than God, it's, again, we're, we're, we're just drowning ourselves in things that don't satisfy our thirst that don't satisfy our deep hunger, our, our, that doesn't satisfy, doesn't refresh us from our weariness. And by the way, you know, in the Old Testament, when, when, when people sought satisfaction and hope and salvation and provision and comfort and strength from anything other than God, the Old Testament calls that idolatry. If you remember the story of Elijah and and the the prophets of Baal when they had that great showdown, Elijah, before it's his turn to, to build his altar and call on the fire of God, Elijah goes to the people of God and he says, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. The discrepancy that the people of Israel were facing in in their idolatry, is that they believed that God was God, but they also believed that Baal was God. And that back and forth, that wandering back and forth is what wearied them. It's, that, it's what wearies us. Whenever we come to church and we sing all these songs and we're, we're praising the Lord, and then when we go back home, we're trying to find comfort in social media, in, in the flesh, and everything else. And then we come back to God because we feel we don't feel as good after all that. And then back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Listen, you cannot, you cannot satisfy your spiritual needs, your spiritual weariness with physical things. Everything in this world, the physical rest of this world, is temporal. The rest, the security, the hope that you you find, that we find in Christ is eternal. You cannot find lasting rest, physical or even spiritual rest in this world. Again, even even the the physical needs that we have, even the physical weariness that we have is meant to push us to search deeper for, for something that will truly satisfy us. The physical weariness that we experience from our day-to-day activities in our life is meant to push us to, to find rest in something deeper than the physical world. So again, it's, rest is not, a, is not a physical condition, but a spiritual disposition. Secondly, rest is not the right of man, but the gift of God. Rest is not the right of man, but the gift of God. Look at verse 26 of our passage again. It says, Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Christ is very clear. Though this invitation for spiritual rest is assured to all who come to Him, it is still presented to whom the Father wills and who he chooses to reveal the Father to. Now, two things we can learn from this. First, as we just read, or as the title of this point, rest is not a right. And, rest is, and that rest is a gift from God. Rest is not a right and rest is a gift from God. First and foremost, whether physical or spiritual rest, it is not a Right? It's not something that we inherently deserve. You know, sometimes our frustration in, lack of, in our lack of rest is due to us thinking that we deserve to rest. I did this. I accomplished this. I've been working all day. I deserve to put my feet up to let my hair down. All of these things. Just to turn off my brain and, and watch something. You know, life is hard, therefore I deserve rest. Well, not really, it's not what the Bible says. I mean, your body might need rest, but I don't think, not just that I think, the Bible doesn't say that you deserve it. You know, the weariness that we feel from our work, from our day-to-day life, is a result of the fall. In Genesis chapter 3, the curse that God places on man to Adam, he says, In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life, thorns and thistles the ground will bring forth. And he says, by the sweat of your face, the sweat of your brow, you shall eat bread. The, the toil that we experience in our day-to-day life and having to work for our, our, our resources, our, the, 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 the weariness that we experience is a result of the fall. What we do deserve is the weariness that we feel, being tired. We have no right to rest. None of us are entitled to rest. That's the reality of it. We live in a fallen world, and this is a res- our weariness is a result of that fallenness of this world. But we what we also see in our passage and scripture is that rest is a gift. Psalms um, Psalm one twenty seven verse two it says, "It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest." talking about uh, sort of this workaholic attitude and behavior where you're waking up early just to to work and sleeping late just to, to continue working, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. God gives sleep to those he loves, rest to those he loves. This is common grace for all. Whether it's, it's sleep or whether it's Sabbath, whether it's weekends, common grace is meant to point us to, to Christ who is our ultimate race, to our ultimate rest who is Christ. But also that, this give, that rest itself is a gift from God. God gives us the ability to rest and, and the need to rest so that we would be reminded that we need Him that we need to rest just as, just as God rested and just as, as, as our bodies need to recover and be refreshed. Now, I think it's important to have this perspective shift of, of rest being a gift because, therefore, if we understand that rest is a gift, then we understand that it must be enjoyed, it must be received, it must be accepted, it must be desired after. You know, specifically, again, to sort of These workaholic uh, mentalities who can't stop working, who has work on their mind constantly. Who think that they need to constantly work, need to be busy or work to accomplish or to maintain or to to, to achieve something. Rest is a gift. It's not something to be scorned. You know, we live in a society where it perpetuates this kind of mentality. Well, time is money, right? And go, go, go. And it's always the next thing and the next thing and no time to rest. And, you know, what's the next job I have to do? What's the next task I have to complete? What's the next responsibility I have to get to? And it just doesn't go, it doesn't ever stop. It just keeps on going and going. Once you achieve one goal, you have another goal to accomplish. Once you, rec- you, you receive a position, you need to climb up again to a next position. But there's never time to pause, We live in a world where pauses have become so awkward. It's like, what is he going to say next? When is he going to say next? But pausing is important. It demonstrates, not just demonstrates, but it gets us to focus. It gets us to consider what is really important. You know, that's the whole point about the Sabbath. God didn't really need to rest on the seventh day. But after creating the universe in six days, he stopped, he paused on the seventh to say everything was good. And similar to how God paused, we are invited to do the same. Stop and consider that everything in our life has been given to us by the grace of God. That God is good. And as a result, from that pause, we can worship. That's why we gather every weekend. Just stop from the busyness of life, from all the problems, from everything that we've gone through in this past week, just stop and praise God. Just rest in his goodness. You know, in the Psalms, there's a, a phrase that's often repeated. I think 74 times in the Psalms. Selah. Maybe you've read through the Psalms and you've seen this phrase, S-E-L-A-H, Selah. And most scholars believe that it's meant to be a liturgical rest, Similar to have if you if you read sheet music, there's rest notes in it. And you know the the psalms are of course songs of David and these other uh, writers and and so they have these breaks in between passages. Selah, to bring emphasis, to bring focus, so that after reading a passage, you would come to to really take it in. You know, look at, if you have your Bibles, I I didn't give this passage to the the team back there, but look at uh, Psalm 46 with me. If you don't have your Bibles, I'll just read it quickly to you. Or I'll read it slowly to you. How about that? But I love this. Let me read this to you. This is how the flow ought to be whenever you read the Psalms and you come across this word. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Salah. Take it in. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nation rages and the kingdom's hotter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Take it in. Come behold the works of the Lord. How he's brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease and to, to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. You cannot... Begin to understand what it means to be still and know God unless you actually be still. Rest is a gift. Just as the Sabbath was, was given to us to keep it holy, to set it apart, just so that we could have a day in this, in this life, in this world, in the, the toil, and the weariness of it all, to just stop and acknowledge who God really is. To acknowledge the goodness of our God, His faithfulness in our life. Rest is not a right, it is a gift of God. Lastly, rest is not the absence of work, but the surrender of work. Rest is not the absence of work, but the surrender of work. Back to our main passage. It says in verse 28, again, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice the invitation to rest is not free of labor, not free of work, not free of burden, Christ is simply saying that his burden and his yoke is easy and light. He's not saying that there is no burden, that there is no work, there's there's nothing to hold up. There's still a a necessity to carry, to be responsible over something. And something to understand, I think this is important to understand because biblical rest is not a call to idleness. It's It's not simply doing nothing. During a day, nor is it, it, it is biblical rest a call or a, a an excuse for procrastination upon your responsibilities. The Bible very, it is very clear about its sentiments towards idleness and the need to work. It says in Proverbs chapter six, verse ten to eleven, "A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man." That whole passage, by the way, in Proverbs is talking about about laziness. The the, the slugger, the the sloth who refuses to work. It, It talks about how anyone who has that mentality or that kind of lifestyle will come to ruin. So unless Scripture contradicts itself, it tells us that both work and rest are important. And that rest doesn't mean completely abandoning all work and completely resigning from all responsibilities, you know, climbing a a mountain and becoming a hermit. It doesn't say that. Again, God gave us one day of the week, not seven days, one day of the week to rest. As mentioned, rest is for refreshment, it's for refocus, it's it's to get our hearts and our minds in the right place. it is also for relinquishment, for surrender. The reason oftentimes it's difficult for us to rest is because if because we think that if we stop to rest, if we stop doing what we're doing, that everything's gonna fall apart. That the world's gonna fall apart. If I don't if I don't if I don't do this job, then no one will. If I don't do this, then you know, then my whole household will. Come up in flames or something. You know, that is often, there, there's, in, in that mentality, pride is often involved. If I won't stop, if I, if I don't stop, things are not going to get done. There's not going to be any money in the bank. There's no, there's no job. There's no future. If I don't figure things out. As if the whole world revolves around our action. And this is why spiritual uh, rest is, is a discipline, because it exercises trust in God. It exercises surrender to God, that he will take care of it even if we don't. That he will provide even if we take a break. That he is the one who is sovereign and in control. Again, it's, it's why the Sabbath was a weekly thing. It was a weekly reminder for us to surrender to God. A weekly reminder for us to take a break, to really recognize who is in control of our lives. Where are our finances? Where, are, where our resources come from? It's all from God. It was a weekly reminder for us to surrender, to relinquish our responsibilities, our trust to God. Again, this this aspect of rest is meant to be a foreshadow of salvation, of how Christ himself is the one who who finishes the work, who has done the work of salvation, and we can put our whole trust in him, that we have no involvement in it, that he is our ultimate rest. Rest is not the absence of work, but the surrender of work. Again, you know, I'm not saying that you just leave all responsibilities behind. You quit your job and just trust everything to the Lord. Again, that's not what the Bible talks about. We're called to work the, sec- the, 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 the six days of the week. And then that seventh day, we are called to rest. to entrust it to God. To be refreshed in Him. To relinquish trust to Him. So how do we rest? And let's look at some... some Things here are how we can practice good resting habits. How to rest. I made up this acronym for us this morning. Rest. R is to relinquish your burdens to God. We just talked about this. Surrender. Trust that even if you stop, even if you stop doing what you need to do, if you, if you take a break from work, take a break from responsibilities, that God is still in control. The world will keep spinning. You know, I think a good way to do that is if you practically stop and, and you just surrender. You know, at the end of the week, just say, God, I'm giving the rest to you. know, I'm, I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to be anxious about it. God, I'm surrendering the rest to you. Secondly, is for E, is enjoy the creation of God. As we talked about, rest is meant to get us to refocus, to remember who our God is. And oftentimes when we look at creation, it is a great reminder of who God is. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims this, his handiwork. You know, I was thinking about it just as, as we were worshiping and how there's this fresh blanket of snow outside. Everyone take a look, please take a look. Let it remind you. Let it remind you not of you know, having to, to, to shovel your driveway or clean your car after the service. Let it remind you of how the Bible says that when we are forgiven of sin, we are made white as snow. Creation exclaims the glory of God, the goodness of our creator. You know, a good practice is if ever you're feeling restless, just go outside. Go outside and take a walk. Enjoy creation. You let yourself be caught up in, a, in awe and wonder of, of God's creation, of his brilliance in the world. Worship God. It's, I find it very interesting because we live in, in a time where people would rather live vicariously through people. It's why travel vlogs are so popular these days, right? It's why even like these, these kids call it Twitch streams or whatever, where people are playing video games and people just watch them play video games. Like, what happens to just playing it yourself? But instead of experiencing it yourself, I think we live in a, in a time where people would rather experience it through other people's eyes. But that's not how God created the universe, the world. We're meant to experience his creation so that we ourselves can experience his glory to bring our hearts to awe and worship. So again, enjoy creation. So relinquish your burdens to God. Enjoy the creation of God. Spend time with God. I'm talking about the Sabbath again. It's the cessation of work to remember that who God is, to delight in him, to spend time with him. That's why these other practices that we've been talking about, whether it's prayer or studying uh, scripture or, or even spending time with other believers, it's all for the, the purpose of spending time with our Heavenly Father. Listen, you will find more refreshment. You will find more refreshment in God's Word than if you were to spend hours upon hours watching Korean dramas on Netflix. I can assure you this. I, <laughs> I've tested it. I've experienced it very well. Spend time with God. It's the only time that you can actually truly feel refreshed. And then lastly, thank God. Thank God. Gratitude changes our perspective. Gratitude changes our, our, what we see and what we set our eyes, our focus It gets us to thank God again for what he has done and what he's doing. It helps us again to trust him because if we thank God for what he's already done, we can trust him for what he's going to do as well. Thank God. Take the opportunity to rest, to just stop, to be still, and thank God. Take a breather from the busyness of life and just again surrender and and be... Demonstrate gratitude to our creator. So this is our 66-day challenge that we've been talking about. And even though this this series is coming to a close, again, keep pursuing the, 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 the spiritual disciplines that we've been talking about. Get into the habit of prayer, of reading scripture, of being present in each other's lives. And as we've been talking about this morning, get into the habit of resting in God. Not in other things. Before you turn on the TV, before you turn on the console, before you flip through your social media feed, spend time with the Lord. Rest in Him. Praise Him. Thank Him. Relinquish your burdens, your anxiety. Surrender it all to Him. And see, see the change that will take place. See the change that will that'll will happen in your life the invitation that that we see in scripture for those who call upon the Lord for those who are found in him is is that we will experience rest not just physical rest but deep spiritual rest In Isaiah 40 I love this passage you've probably heard it before He gives power to the faint. To him who has no might, he increases increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the kind of rest that we are invited to, that we are promised For those who what? Wait on the Lord. For those who stop, who remain, who abide in the Lord. This is the kind of rest that we experience. For the lost, if you have not put your faith in Christ, if you have not repented of your sins, and you have doing things on your own trying to seek redemption trying to seek salvation on your own let me tell you you will not find it anywhere else apart from Christ again the the invitation that we read in our passage is to come to Christ for his burden his yoke is easy and his burden is light Because it's not tied down to some sort of works-based faith or religiosity where you need to earn your position and your place before God. It doesn't work that way. You cannot do enough good in this life to amount any sort of credit before God. It's all based, our salvation is wholly based on the credit of Christ on his righteousness and his finished work. We can only rest from the labor, the toil of of, of trying to work for our our, our sin, trying to work and getting in right standing with God. The only reason why we can rest is because Christ himself has finished the job. He finished it at the cross. He finished it in the grave. The invitation is to find rest, forgiveness in Christ. The invitation is to stop, and not just for the lost, but even for us believers who often are still prone to wander, who are still looking for satisfaction and hope in other places. The invitation is to stop, is to stop going back and forth between the idols of this world and Christ. I love what Peter says in the day of Pentecost as he's preaching to the masses In Acts chapter 3, he says, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. If you're looking for rest, if you are weary from from the busyness of life, you can't find rest anywhere else. It's only in the presence of God. Listen, take God at his word. If you have been wandering, if you've been seeking for physical and spiritual rest in places that never satisfy and just leave you even more thirsty, take God at his word that if you go to him, if you come to him, you will truly find rest for your souls. Get into the habit of resting. Let's pray. Oh, gracious God and Heavenly Father. Lord, forgive us for the many times where we have wandered to worldly idolatry to find rest and satisfaction and hope and refreshment and love and comfort and joy and pleasure. And things that never satisfy. And things that are just band-aids over wounds. That leave us more thirsty and dry. Forgive us for when, for all those times, even though you are right in front of us. Even though your throne of grace is open to us, even though the the veil has been torn and we have full access to your rest through Jesus Christ, forgive us that we still turn to other things. Forgive us for all the, for the habit that we've got into of trusting and relying in ourselves. depending on the things of this world instead of trusting and relinquishing surrendering to you Father I can't help but think that there are many brothers and sisters here this morning or listening to my voice who are weary who are exhausted from the labor of having to go back and forth, of having to, to mitigate their, their weariness with things of this world. We're going back and forth and coming to you one day and then going back to the world and coming back to you and going back to the world. God, it is, it is exhausting. So I pray in this, in this sacred moment, oh Lord, that you'd bring about a fresh wind to your people. That the invitation to rest in you, to abide in you would be fresh on our hearts and our minds. And that God, we would be more than willing to be still and know our savior. find hope and comfort and satisfaction in our Savior because Lord where else can we go to who else can we turn to you alone have the words of life you you alone are the one who can refresh our weary souls to assure us that despite the difficulties that we face today that God you are still in control of tomorrow so Lord we, we humbly ask draw us to you give us your rest give us times of refreshment Lord help us oh God if we Help our unbelief, oh Lord. If we are weary from the day, if we're weary from this world, help us, oh God, to depend and trust in you once more. We surrender these things to you, oh God. In Jesus, your mighty name. Thanks for listening. We hope that you were blessed by the sermon today. If you would like to learn about the gospel or know more about our church, please visit pluslifepeople.com. Remember to subscribe for more content. Until next time, stay blessed.